Hey, thanks for downloading the podcast. If you want to listen live, all you have to do is download the iHeartRadio app and search for Fantasy Sports Radio Network. Also, if you want to catch this show on video, be sure to check out Zumo TV, channel 719. That's where you can find SportsGrid's Fantasy Sports Network. Enjoy the show, and thanks so much for listening. Hey, good morning. Welcome to Fantasy Sports Today here on SportsGrid. Great to be with you here on June 16, 2020. Hope you had a really good Monday as we... March on during the week. Coming up in a little bit, we're going to have some basic news in the NBA to see whether or not a couple of players decide to actually play this season. In addition, one potential future Hall of Famer says maybe it's not the best time to play at all. You can follow Joe Pizzapia on Twitter at Joe Pizzapia17. You can follow me on Twitter at Craig Mish. And uh, normally when we start the show, we like to start off with some really good news, especially in this difficult time. But man, we are littered. With some bad news just across the board, uh, Monday was not a really good day for sports, unfortunately, Joe. And so we'll we'll try our best throughout the show to stay positive. But man, we got we got some doses of some bad news yesterday. That's for sure. We did. We'll do our best, as always, to stay that ray of sunshine in the mornings that you look forward to here on Sports Grid. But we also live in the real world, and sometimes the real world has uh, circumstances we all have to deal with head on and we are just the two guys to take it on so let's uh let's do it let's get it out of the way and then we'll find some sports to talk about as things go on yeah well we'll start off with the college football season of course uh somewhat in jeopardy as all sports are in jeopardy right now it's very nice to say that everything is coming back and everything's going to be played but until it does we're going sport by sport here and uh, college football of course will start in late august or september and arguably one of the top uh, running backs that will be taken in the 2021 NFL draft, without a doubt, is Chuba Hubbard from Oklahoma State. Had a great year last year and certainly uh, probably would be the number one ranked running back in the entire country. You know, running backs now don't really go very high in the draft like they used to. If this was 10 years ago, Chuba Hubbard, we could say would be the second pick in the draft or third pick in the draft next year. I'm not sure that will ever be the case again. But that is not what we're focused on today. Man, he basically went off on social media and uh, and is basically exercising his right to disagree. And in this case, it was with his own head coach, Mike Gundy, who was spotted wearing an OAN shirt, which, of course, is uh, one of the networks that the president of the United States is a big favorite of. Now, whether or not we agree or disagree with that is a story for another day. This is an athlete in professional sports who essentially is exercising his right to say that things need to change at his university at Oklahoma State. And not long after that, Running back in the NFL on the Baltimore Ravens, Justice Hill, former Oklahoma State player, also says that things need to change at Oklahoma State, too. So radar certainly pointed up right now um, at, at OSU and really a bad look for Mike Gundy. I think he's got a he's got to know better in, the, in these times in this situation. I mean, regardless of how smart or how dumb you are, you got to have awareness and not a lot of awareness knowing that you've got a lot of things going on in this country. You need to be a lot more supportive uh, than doing what he did there, I think. Yeah, it's interesting because the backdrop of everything going on right now is COVID-19 and what we've been doing in the last few months with quarantine. But sunlight kills a lot of viruses. And it's funny, I think what we're seeing now is we're watching the light be shown on a lot of things that people were just accepting or saying, well, that's the way things were or that's how things are. And I think we've gotten to a point where a lot of people are saying, no, you know what? I am a student athlete at this school. And certain intolerance is not acceptable. Otherwise, I'm going to take my talents elsewhere. And let's be honest, these players are making millions of dollars in revenue and generating billions in some levels for these universities. And everybody has to be accountable. And it's not saying we can't have differences of opinion. That, that that's, that's not what this is all about. It's not about differences of opinion or political views or what you think or I think about the deficit. That's not where this is going. We're talking about basic human value whether you are gay, straight, black, white, whatever person of color you might be, that that people matter in this country. And then understanding that uh, certain things that were accepted or just thought of as, well, that's just the area where that is and and it's okay there or it's it's commonplace there. No, it's it's not acceptable. And you know what? I give these young men a lot of credit right here for standing up because it's not easy to stand up to these things because we're talking about uh, a juggernaut universities. We're talking about places that have given them an opportunity, places that are near and dear to them. And I think it takes a lot of courage to say, you know what, this is not acceptable. We have to do a better job. And I don't know about you, Craig, but that's my feeling about it. And I, I give this young man a lot of credit for saying, hey, I'm shining a light here because certain things are just not okay 
And I think that that's a pretty good start here. And I'm telling you, this this movement is not going away anytime soon. This is, I think, something that's long overdue, and that's why we're seeing it in such massive force right now. Yeah, and I and I think that it, really what it comes down to is, regardless of how you feel, if you're the head coach at a university and a prominent head coach like Mike Gundy at Oklahoma State, you have to know that you're being watched closely. And you have to know that your players are going to want them to basically be supporting you. And in this particular case, uh, you, you just ha you have to know that there is a chance that someone could be offended by the slightest thing, whether it's a shirt, whether it's a statement, whether it's a tweet, whatever it is, you got to have better awareness. And in this case, he did not. I'm hopeful that this will all get worked out. I'm sure that uh, Gundy, you know, no doubt <laughs> will reach out to his best player on the team and try to get things worked out, and hopefully for Hubbard, he ends up playing. And hopefully he does, Craig. And I don't want to cut you off. I apologize for doing so. But I think it's very important that it's important to say, this is a problem for me. Now let's talk about it. I, I'm not into the cancel culture and the over-PC. I'm for educating everybody. I'm for everybody getting to a better level of understanding, hey, oh, okay, this isn't okay, or or me saying this or referring to that is is not acceptable, and and understanding that, and people learning and growing from that. I don't want to see people lose their jobs. I don't think coaches should lose their jobs because, you know, for for certain reasons, like if you wore a T-shirt of a network or there or something like that, it was probably some free T-shirt he got somewhere and might not have even been thinking about it. But it's important for him to understand, hey, I'm not only representing myself here, I'm representing the university and my players too. And I have to think about that and how that impacts the greater good or the greater not so good. And that is what's so crucial here. It's it's let's not cancel everybody. Let's educate everybody. Let's get to a better place with everybody because canceling everything every time someone does something wrong is not gonna get us anywhere either. It's not gonna advance a movement in this country either. Yeah. Well, at this point, awareness is definitely the most important thing. And as we you know, sort of dive into this new world of awareness, if you can't be self-aware as to how potentially your players could feel about anything, big or small, uh, then you need to wake up a little bit. And I would say in this case, uh, Mike Gundy, who I do like very much as a coach, is going to have to uh, step up right now for his players, no doubt about that. Well, um, look, the NFL is is coming in a few months, we think. But certainly the last thing that you would ever want is with a few months out to have arguably one of your best players test positive for the coronavirus. And I think that, you know, that is that is something that we're going to be having to deal with uh, for a while. Yesterday it was reported that Ezekiel Elliott tested uh, positive in the state of Texas because somebody else did also. And he's got no symptoms. He's perfectly fine. He's a world class athlete. So that's not surprising. I think the question will become at some point, you know, what would be the, the if this happened during the season, because it will happen during the season, uh, what the trickle down will be from that. And, you know, that that's the one thing that we're not going to be able to quantify this season. And I just don't think that enough people are thinking about it or talking about it. I mean, the reality of the situation is it could, you know, it, it could derail uh, the NFL without a doubt. Um, the other part of this is that it could derail fantasy, too. I mean, this is not something that you could predict. You could have Ezekiel Elliott if this was week two of the NFL season. He's out two weeks, probably, at the least. You know, it's it's just not something that I had really thought about because it's been a while since we've, we've heard a premier athlete uh, come down with this. But even though he has no symptoms, I think that people are really missing the boat on social media yesterday saying that, oh, but he's fine because he's got no symptoms. He, it's not about him. It's about everybody else that's right. around him. Like, I just right. don't understand... Like some of the most tone deaf tweets I saw yesterday, <laughs> basically supporting the NFL, saying, don't worry, by the time the season starts, he's be perfectly fine and, and, and it's good and it's okay. It's better that it happened now. I'm like, Man, it's not better that it happened anytime. No. There are going to be coaches and players on the team, someone who is susceptible potentially to death that would not be able to be around this player. So. Man, that's the last thing that I wanted to see, but it does kind of strike a nerve to where we are just so far away from knowing what the reality is of any of these team sports specifically uh, until they're actually back on the field. That, that's why it's so hard for me with anything right now. Well, I think you're in the new reality. This is the beginning of it. And the beginning of it's probably going to mean if someone does test positive, they're going to probably, like you said, miss two weeks. That's two games. In the NFL, that's a huge deal. And I think uh, when you're looking at the impact of that, I think – in terms of the running back position specifically, because we're talking about Ezekiel Elliott, this might be a year where it might be wiser. And I'm not somebody who's big on the handcuffs of running backs and things like that. But you know what? If you have Ezekiel Elliott, it might be good to have Pollard. You know what? You might want to take that extra little 
caution, especially if it's a big money league, because I don't think you want to be looking on the waiver wires for these guys. Wide receiver position, there's enough on the waiver wire to go around because of supply and demand. Same thing with single quarterback leagues. But again, in super flex leagues, you have to be aware of it. I think this is a year in season long NFL that your bench might have to come into play way more than it ever has. And you have to be way smarter about what you're doing. And maybe you can't go for all those sexy sleeper picks you want to put on your bench. Maybe it might just be better off to at least for the first six weeks of the season, hedge your bets a little bit, get some of these handcuffs or some of these guys that could be valuable if a player misses time and understand that this is probably going to happen multiple times. And it's going to be as much as I don't want to say it, our new normal. Uh, I also might lean towards saying, Hey, maybe instead of playing eight fantasy football leagues, maybe you play six and maybe take that money and invest it and play some DFS this year, because in a situation where every week you get to start fresh there or take your friends and go play in some of those DFS leagues together, because I think what that allows you is less commitment to the players. And then you have a little bit less risk in terms of, well, if this player goes down and that player goes down, then the integrity of the league starts to fall apart a little bit in DFS. You don't have that because it's a week to week commitment. So I think those are things you should take a look at and start to, Figure out how you want to lay out that budget that you have for fantasy football come this fall. And if you were 80-20, maybe you're 70-30 and you're separating it differently this year or 60-40. And that's that's a good thing. You have to just kind of look and see and approach it differently in 2020 because, unfortunately, this might be the new reality. Yeah, it could be. And and it's, and it's really uh, fortunate at this point that it's not during the regular season. But I think that you have to ask yourself you know, some of the trickle down effects from this, if it did happen in 90 days from now, um, you know, can I handcuff my entire team? If I, (laughs) you know, if I have five or six guys out, I mean, can I, what happens if six Cowboys test positive or the, are the, are the Cowboys still going to play? Like it's, that's that's a real question. If it's rampant, what do you do, Craig? Like 10 guys. Well, Well, that's what I'm saying is that, you know, the season would, would be in jeopardy in the NFL. I mean, that's, that's, I mean, that, that 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 goes for every sport. That's why, as time has gone by, that that's why I applaud and I can get into, even though I'm not a huge fan of NASCAR and even though I don't watch golf every single week, the reality is, is they are participating. And, and it seems to be at least a moderate level of success thus far. They had a PGA tournament. They've had several races. Those have gone off. Uh, UFC has, has fought. So... It's like, show me the, the sport that's back on the field. And at that time, I think that's when I can start to get that new reality. But until it happens, it, it just seems like light years away. It's so bizarre how how this has all happened. So uh, certainly a lot more to get to here on this show. We will talk a little bit of football uh, later on with some potential props for the 2020 NFL season. But coming up next, it's time for this day in fantasy sports. And, of course, our fantasy sports birthdays you're watching FST here on SportsGrid. Make sure you like and subscribe to SportsGrid on YouTube. Set your notifications to on. Smash that like button. Also, make sure that you check out our SportsGrid radio channel because we got TV and radio guys going for you 24 hours a day, seven days a week. Speaking of which, we're back right after this. Don't go away. SportsGrid.com. Betting insights and entertainment at your fingertips 24-7 as our team covers the most important topics in sports wagering. Real-time odds, predictive betting models, expert picks, and more. Want the edge? Then get on the grid. SportsGrid.com. And welcome back. It's Fantasy Sports Today. Craig Mish and Joe Pizzapia. It's June 16th, 2020. We got a lot to get to here on the show. Of course, every day we do our fantasy sports birthdays and also this day in fantasy sports. And the month of June, Joe, uh, you know, tends to be more focused on baseball. We've got usually the NBA Finals, the U.S. Open is going on. And so those are sort of the things that are happening this month. Tennis is also uh, you know, in full force. And so, of course, not a lot of those things are going on right now, but hopefully they will in the future. By the way, the one thing that does seem interesting to me, the one sport that maybe I've just missed it, but I haven't been hearing that much about, is tennis. Like, that would seem to be the one sport if they yeah. could get their act together, and I don't know what's been going on, but uh, you got to be quiet in the stands anyway, right? Like, so, like, couldn't, <laughs> couldn't, couldn't you have the two best tennis players in the world facing off against each other with two judges who are six feet apart and play out. Like, I don't know. Like, well, well I'll tell you what it, on back on, on Sunday on backlash, the WWE pay-per-view, they actually, you know, they've been having some of their performance center wrestlers out there six feet apart from each other, kind of cheering. And it adds a little bit of, it feels like a small bingo hall watching wrestling, but it's something, at least people are chanting and something like that. But for one of the pre-tape matches, they did a whole thing where they added crowd noise to it. 
and manipulated the crowd noise and things like that. And it was a throwback to like an old Madison Square Garden style match. But it was very funny because the first two minutes or three minutes, it was kind of like, okay, it's a little weird. Like, this is not real. And then you just kind of watch the rest of the match. And it just felt like there was a full crowd and the match was going on. So, you know what? On TV, after five minutes into it, if there was a ball game that had pumped in crowd noise or an FL game, I don't think I'd care all that much, to be honest with you. It might affect the players, but in terms of my watching of it, I don't think I'm going to care. Yeah, I, I, I hope that tennis is back. I mean, that's a sport that's, you know, makes sense. Very You're absolutely well, right. But, but I haven't heard much about it. Yeah, I, I but don't, great, I don't, tennis don't really is, great tennis is good TV. When you've got two people, you know, having a, a great tennis match or great I totally match. agree. Yeah. I, I totally agree. But yet, you know, maybe it's just because I'm not an avid tennis fan. Uh, but for whatever reason, I just haven't heard it much about it. So, um, all right. So let's go back in time. It's this day in fantasy sports history. And on this day in 1978, all-time great red, Tom Seaver. Uh, if you watch the show, yeah. I thought you were going to say White Sox today. That would have been even classic. <laughs> yeah. uh, Tom Seaver, when he was with the Reds, he was good with the Reds, but he uh, threw a no-hitter against the St. Louis Cardinals on June 16, 1978. So make sure that you uh, log that in your history books. 1995, one of my favorites, Andre Dawson, hits his 400th career home run. It took Andre Dawson, Joe, 15 years to get into the Baseball Hall of Fame. When we grew up in the 80s, like, how many players were better than Andre Dawson when we grew up? Like, uh, I mean, it's amazing that it took uh, so long. Incredible, intimidating, a presence, uh, a terrific outfielder, a guy who could steal bases. And he, like I said, there was something about him when he came up to the plate. You sort of felt this force of nature. And those kind of players are important, especially in the 80s. You know, it's a different brand of baseball. There's a lot more intimidation factor going on. A lot less like, oh, we're all friends because everybody's a free agent next year. And I'll play with you next year. And I'll play with you. And we're all going to your house after the game to play video games. That stuff didn't happen in the 80s, man. These guys went drinking with their own teams and doing all kinds of other crazy things. And Andre Dawson was a tough guy. And you knew exactly what you were getting. And I can guarantee you, you wanted Andre Dawson on your team because he was a real threat in that lineup and a presence to behold. And you know what, Tom Seaver, the most fascinating thing about him, I, I we kind of touched on it and I don't know if you knew that story, but uh, I did dig it up for you. In 1966, Seaver did sign with the Atlanta Braves who had drafted him. But what happened was uh, his college team played two exhibition games later that year. There was a big kerfuffle over that. Basically, then the father of Tom Seaver got mad. You know what they ended up happening? They had a special draft and a coin flip between uh, the two new organizations in the league, right? The Mets ended up winning that coin flip, got to draft first, and Tom Seaver entered a special supplemental draft, and that's how the Mets got Tom Seaver. So crazy set of circumstances there with Tom Seaver. A lot of people don't realize that and, you know, how it could have been much different. He could have been a Brave, and then you can talk about how great he was on the Braves. Yeah, no, I, I mean, that would have been... <laughs> You talk about epic change for sure. Oh, sure. Um, all right, 1996, the Chicago Bulls win uh, the NBA's 50th championship over the Seattle Sonics. And certainly, if you've watched any of our shows on demand over the past month, you can go back and see a lot of Chicago Bulls talk. So we're not going to have to revisit that. But that did happen in 1996. How about 2002? Tiger Woods, this is when he and Phil Mickelson are having this epic battle back and forth. Woods ends up winning his second U.S. Open championship. Don't fret, we'll get to Phil Mickelson coming up in just a couple of minutes. You'll find out why. And then finally, in 2015, the Golden State Warriors win the NBA championship over the Cleveland Cavaliers. The only sad part about some of these NBA championships, Joe, and reviewing these in this day in history is that we're essentially a week away from not having any more because the month will be over and, and that'll be it for the NBA championship. Most NBA championships are you know, more or less done in the middle or late June. So yes. we're but approaching we the horse end. racing Saturday to talk about because that's, that's coming up. So we can always replace it with horse racing. I know you love to talk about this. Day of horse love racing, horse so. race. But we'll have more baseball, hopefully too. I think that's, that's where we're, we'll at least have old baseball to talk about. Who knows where the week will take us. But uh, I remember that Tiger Woods U S open. Actually, I do remember it very well. One of the few times I remember getting my dad to watch golf. <laughs> with me like it's like hey you got to check this out this is great stuff there and that was the time where just the casual sports fan who didn't watch golf was watching golf in the early 2000s because part of it was tiger woods but also some of the rivalries and mickelson was that great rivalry for him during that time yeah i think uh, beth page was one of the best uh, courses to have the u.s open and they continue yeah. to do that this day all right this day in fantasy sports birthdays for june the 16th uh, 1962, Wally Joyner. Uh, man, when Wally Joyner came to the big leagues and 
you know, had his first year. I believe he was rookie of the year. I thought, wow, Wally Joyner is going to be an absolute superstar. It was him and Canseco, Will Clark, John Crock. I mean, it was, that was a great Barry Bonds. Yeah. What a great class of rookies all those guys were. I thought Joyner would have been the best of all of them, and it didn't turn out that way. I'm actually surprised. I mean, Joyner had a really nice, really long, good career, but you know, not the didn't become yeah. the superstar that some people thought he would. His best and year may have been his first. It was, and in that first year, he had a, an injury, if you recall, where um, he had gotten hurt, and then he had gotten a staph infection. And ended up in the hospital. He actually nearly died. A lot of people don't know this story. During the ALCS, and he was very seriously in the hospital. And uh, he actually watched the Donnie Moore game uh, happen from his hospital bed. And a lot of people forget that. And he said he heard all of these things, all of a sudden all this beeping going on, because when Dave Henderson hit that home run, he asked the nurse, what's going on? What's happening? And she said, oh, a lot of the patients are watching the game. And when that home run happened, a lot of them were clicking their morphine things because they were struggling so hard with that moment. But he even says there was something about that injury and something like that. He never came back quite the same from it. And it was one of these guys that people forget how hot of a rookie he was and how people thought Wally World was going to be the face of the Angels. And unfortunately, that career didn't live up to the potential. And you could probably trace it back to that moment in time of that injury because it did happen his rookie year at the end of that season there right during the uh, LCS. And just unfortunate, man, because that's you always hate to see a guy who has so much promise early on not fulfill that promise. Yeah, I I, uh, I was a big fan. Thought Wally Joyner would have been great, but a good career. Got to give him credit for that. But you play 10 years in the big leagues, you, you got to get some credit. Yeah, uh, 1970, Phil Mickelson, one of the best to ever do it. Uh, future Hall of Famer, without question. Uh, Phil Mickelson, one of the great golfers of all time. And uh, Lefty's birthday is today, back in 1970. 1977, Kerry Wood. We'll talk a little Cubs coming up in about five minutes from now. But Kerry Wood, also a player... Uh, even more on the trajectory of the Hall of Fame, even more than uh, Wally Joyner, unfortunately, injuries sort of derailed uh, his career, ended up being a really good reliever, good closer as well, and uh, and transformed himself. Kerry Wood ended up having a great career, but I think that guys like Kerry Wood and Mark Pryor uh, kind of set the tone for the future of Major League Baseball, essentially saying, hey, look, if you have two young pitchers that you think can pitch for 10 years in the big leagues, uh, don't don't flame them out after two years, and that's sort of the moral of the story behind those two guys. Uh, Dusty Baker, right? <laughs> I want to say if we recall. I'm not even it. sure if it was him or if it was yeah. bad luck or if the if the kids. I mean, no one really knows for sure, but that changed everything. It and did. now pitchers are on pitch limits, and 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 for good reason. Look, they, you know, you want to preserve these guys and be around as long as they can. But truth be told. They've protected guys like Noah Syndergaard through and through for years and years. What did it lead to? Inevitably missing a year anyway. So it makes no sense to me. If you throw 100 miles an hour, you're going to miss a year eventually. Well, that's the thing. It's It's the combination of max effort and budgeting where we're trading people basically for sprints instead of marathons. And you go back and look at the success that the Braves had all those years ago under Leo Mazzoni. All those guys threw all the time. They didn't throw from a mound all the time. They didn't pitch all the time, but they were throwing all the time. And I, and I just wonder why you have a, a, a segment in time there where you had all these pitchers there who pitched for such a long time and this philosophy and why that in, in, a, in sports, which is always a copycat league, why everybody didn't copy that. And it doesn't feel like the limiting them is is stopping more injuries. Jesus Lazardo got hurt last year and he didn't even get there yet. And I think that's why everybody's so frustrated. It's because we've put all these limitations on everybody and we're not getting better or more out of them. We're getting the same as if you let them all go. I think it's in the in the decision of how we're going to train these guys and how we're going to use them in that sense. And understanding that throwing doesn't mean throwing from a mound. And max effort guys are going to have shorter careers. Kerry Wood was lightning in a bottle, man. I remember watching that 20 strikeout game live when it was going on. And I remember as he was getting closer and closer and just going, this is incredible. I can't believe what I'm watching. This is unbelievable. And he was that kind of electric force. And Mark Pryor, the two of them together, you thought, man, this Cubs team is going to be so good. They did get to the playoffs. Obviously, they lost. The Bartman game was the uh, kind of the beginning of the end of that era of the Cubs there. But Wood did salvage his career later on as a reliever, as you said. And it's it's difficult. Like, we got Wally Joyner. We got Kerry Wood. It's hard to not think about what could have been. But both guys, like you said, did have really good major league careers when all said and done. So I guess you, you got to at least take the the good that you have and, and take those moments when you can get them with those guys. But you can't help but wonder what if, especially even more so with Kerry Wood than, than Wally Joyner. 
Yeah, would would uh, you know certainly was on a trajectory that would have put him with some of the great pitchers in baseball. But you know, injuries will do that, and it happens. And he's very fortunate that he went on to have a really great career even after that. Uh, 1982, uh, Jericho Cotri, former Jets great. Thought we'd throw him in there for you, Joe. So there you go. <laughs> One of the great names Happy in the NFL, June 16th. I mean, they've had some great names. You know, Wayne Corbett, Jericho Cotchery, Santana Moss, Keyshawn Johnson. A lot of, a lot of great names. Not give always credit the for the player. names. Not they great got, players, but give them credit great, for the so, names, for sure. A mixed bag. A mixed bag. Wayne was a good player. Keyshawn was a good player. Jericho Cotchery, I don't think he really uh, was shooting up a lot of fantasy boards. He had he had some moments. You Let's played him, him as a wide receiver three in your league at some point. I'm sure at some point I had at shares of Jericho Cotchery. I'm sure did. I did. And then 1984, we'll give hockey some love today. Rick Nash, uh, seven-time All-Star, uh, former member of the Columbus Blue Jackets and New York Rangers. Some people think maybe a Hall of Famer, too. So uh, Rick Nash's birthday in uh, 1984. That'll do it for this day in fantasy sports birthdays. In case you missed the documentary, we gave you a couple days to catch it. On uh, on Sunday night, they had the 30 for 30 of the long-gone summer. So we're going to dive into it a little bit. Hopefully, you guys have seen some of it by now. If not, we'll try to keep it spoiler-free. You're watching Sports Grid. This is Fantasy Sports Today. You can watch us 24 hours a day, seven days a week. Also now on Roku, which, by the way, is a fantastic app, and yet another free way to watch this show. So however you're watching it, whether it's YouTube or SportsGrid.com, Zumo TV, Pluto TV, or Stir, download the Roku app. You can watch our show for free there as well. We'll be back after this. Don't go away. SportsGrid.com. Betting insights and entertainment at your fingertips 24-7 as our team covers the most important topics in sports wagering. Real-time odds, predictive betting models, expert picks, and more. Want the edge? Then get on the grid. SportsGrid.com. This is SportsGrid. Get on the grid. And welcome back as we wait for baseball's return. The long gone summer was debuted on Sunday night. Joe and I skipped over it on Monday to give you guys an extra day to hopefully see it if you did on demand. If not, uh, you can go back and check it out. Of course, it was a two hour program. Essentially, I would say featuring Mark McGuire's chase toward the home run record of 61. Sammy Sosa was was obviously involved in that chase, and so uh, you know, in the in the big pie chart, which I like to talk about a lot of what was discussed, it was like 75% McGuire probably and 25% Sosa. It was more about McGuire's chase and what he went through and and the postscripts of uh, of all of that. But certainly, Joe, I thought it was uh, I thought it was entertaining. I thought it was good. Uh, there was a lot of things that were fun for me to see because I was at four of Mark McGuire's uh, home runs there and one of Sosa's too. So uh, vivid memories, uh, of course, I think as we all did in 1998. And then, of course, things you know sort of came to a, a crashing halt after that point. But no, I, I really enjoyed the fun of it, and it was it was really amazing to you know take that back in baseball history and check that out and. You know, sort of the shame of it is, is that that much fun we were having then and how little fun we're having now. And this is an irony. <laughs> That's right. All the fun. I, re- I actually caught myself during the documentary just with a big grin on my, like I felt myself smiling when I was watching all this and going, oh yeah, right. I, I feel good about baseball. This is fun. I'm enjoying this. And and that's and that's such a bummer, like because that was so much fun. That home run race was incredible. It was bigger than the sports world. It was it was gigantic. It was global. It was an incredible thing. It was fun. Baseball was fun. And I understand these guys. Yes, Bob Costas is right. They did ruin the integrity of the game, but there wasn't testing in. And when you're turning a blind eye to what's right. going on, or you could walk into GNC and buy these products, these creatines and these Andro and the things that they were using. How do you tell these guys not to do it? Because uh, like like most players, like they, they want to do what the best they can for themselves to earn, to to keep their dream alive, to help their teammates. And like if you're looking around the, the room and you're not doing your part and I'm not doing mine, well, you know, hey, do you take this seriously or not? What are you willing to put at risk? It was also, I think, very telling and very interesting that my big takeaway was uh, as Roger Maris was chasing this record, Craig, 
he was really living in that shadow of Babe Ruth and kind of going through that. And it was very difficult. He wasn't the most popular Yankee compared to Mickey Mantle. Mickey Mantle was a god. Roger Maris was like the number two guy there. And it was very difficult. I almost think in a way having Sammy Sosa, who I wouldn't say didn't take it seriously, but took it in all the right perspective, really helped Maguire's run because he had somebody else who understood the pressure he was going through and somebody else to share the burden and then almost kind of drive him in the competition. Like he wasn't playing against the ghost of somebody. He was playing against, oh, this guy's going to beat me if I don't get it first. And I think all that really helped. And I think we forget how well liked Sammy Sosa was because uh, <laughs> because during that period of time, he was probably one of the most well-liked guys around baseball. He's one of the faces of baseball and, and the energy and everything he gave out. But did you kind of get that feeling, too, that, you know, McGuire having Sosa was not only a, a good driving force, but in a lot of ways kind of just took a little bit of the edge off of the situation compared to what Maris had to go through? Yeah, and I think that it was a lot different for Maris also because the commissioner also said that uh, the home run record would not be broken if it didn't happen in 154 games, so there was pressure on that. Mm -hmm. You mentioned Mickey Mantle. Nobody wanted Maris. Everybody wanted Mickey Mantle to break the record. So there were a lot of things that I think that went into it, and, and I do think that there's a part of that, but McGuire, even as a coach with the Cardinals uh, and as a player, uh, just a very intense guy, man, from, you know, from start to finish, just always super intense, took things right. very seriously. So I don't know that he would have been able to break out of his own skin, honestly, in that even if there were five guys that were helping him. But yeah, I mean, Sosa was the perfect guy. He wasn't supposed to be there. Uh, you know, he was just seemed like he was having a lot of fun during the chase for sure. But I will tell you this, as Sosa, uh, Sosa was a fun guy. Mm -hmm. But as his career developed and after a couple of those years of hitting the 60 home runs, he wasn't the, as lovable as Sammy Sosa as he was at the beginning. I can tell you from factual that's evidence. True. That no, he, that's, uh, that's true. No, that's true. He started to, you know, and look, as most players would, he felt like he was worth a lot more to the Cubs. And, um, you know, he had a really bad last day with the Cubs, really bad last year with the Cubs, as a matter mm -hmm. of fact. And, of course, still hasn't been invited back there. So uh, didn't really end well for him there. We'll get to Sosa here in a minute. But. What's interesting is is what 1998 looked like. And, and ironically, it did look a lot different than uh, 2019, but there were some numbers that actually were similar. It makes you wonder, like, where are people screaming and, and yelling up, uh, you know, jumping up and down? I guess they are because of the, the juiced ball. But uh, 13 different players hit 40 home runs in 1998. Uh, 10 hit more than 40 home runs last year. So, you know, nobody hit 70, nobody hit 60, but still a lot of players did hit uh, four. Now, uh, the key differences are some of the other stats that I'll throw at you from 98. Uh, two players hit over 350. You can tell batting average still meant something back then. It's very rare to have a guy hit 320 now in the big leagues. Uh, eight players had over 200 hits. So there were guys playing. They were healthy. A few of them were in Colorado. Uh, let's not forget that. You had uh, you know Dante Bichette and Vinny Castilla and Larry Walker and all of, of those guys. The Blake Street Bombers just crushing it. And uh, two of those guys also were on Colorado that had uh, over 140 runs driven in. Seven players had over 140 runs driven in. And the numbers overall get more suspicious as you get into 1999 and 2000 and 2001, because then it just becomes a free-for-all in terms of doing it. And as they illustrated in the documentary, baseball even knew at that point that what was going on and didn't care to stop it until they realized that it could cause serious damage and then... Obviously, Ken Caminiti passes away. A lot of things start happening, and they realize, well, we got to put a stop to this. And, um, you know, sort of, you know, they go back and try and punish guys from the past. But Sosa, I thought, had perhaps the most interesting comment of the entire documentary yesterday, where he said, and I quote, there is about four or five players from that PED era, maybe more than that, in the Hall of Fame. So am I the one to blame? That Sammy Sosa says, well... Um, you know, a fair point on uh, on his part to ask that question, but it's the same, uh, you know, sort of thing that that I would say to Sammy Sosa, my response to him, and I've seen Sammy talk to me, lives in South Florida all the time, my response would be, well, Sammy, none of those guys hit 66 home runs four years in a row. None of those guys are we having a documentary upon. So that's why we're asking you the question, and we're not asking them, do you want to answer the question? And of course, the answer that he would have is no. I think Sosa was a really good player. I think that he was uh, enhanced. I also think he cheated and probably cheated a lot more than we even knew. He corked his bat. He got caught, uh, you know, said it wasn't his bat. I mean, he he became he was a character and, and you get it when you when you come from nothing. And then here you are with all these millions of dollars and you have the pressure of trying to keep it 
uh, take care of your family. I certainly get all that, but you know, Sosa does go into that category of some of those other guys that without it, I mean, look at Sosa's numbers before that. He was a 20 home run guy, became a 70 home run guy. So hard for me to look at it any other way. It is. He was also first Cubs 30-30 guy. Uh, not a lot of guys have 600 home runs and 200 stolen bases. It's like Barry Bonds. It's him. It's Ken Griffey Jr. And I'm pretty sure that's the end of the list. Um, he was also a pretty good right fielder. <laughs> a pretty good arm. I recall that, too. I just think it's very difficult to pick and choose in this era. And I think anybody who wants to kind of get on the moral high ground and pick and choose is just wrong. I think all you can do is look at the era for what it was and be honest about it and say, yeah, the integrity of the stats when you compare them to, say, you know, the past and the 50s and the 40s. And if these things were available to them, you're telling me those guys wouldn't take them? Of course they would, because that's the nature of this beast. So Major League Baseball created this monster. And then they made a lot of money off of it and then decided to pick and choose. And I think that's where I struggle with it. And I look at Mark McGuire and I look at these moments that he gave us in baseball and how him and Sosa were responsible for bringing back so many baseball fans to the product who had abandoned it during the strike. And you saw the people in the documentary say, yeah, you know what, man, I'm really excited about baseball again. This has really got me back into it. So all of that, all of that positive, all of that good doesn't get washed away because there's some bad life is gray unfortunately and i think it's very difficult to look at the jeff bagwells there was a little clip there of craig biggio who i started to dig in today that was really shocking that they it was shocking but you know what's even more shocking peep this when you look at the end of craig biggio's career from age 36 on all of a sudden he's got better home run totals than he had in his 20s now that's kind of a red flag don't you think and and i think it's not good for us to sit here and speculate but at the same time, it's impossible not to because this was the era. So rather than speculate, rather than pick and choose, let's just call it what it is. And let's go and look at the Fred McGriffs of the world or the guys who come out and say, hey, I played during this era and I was clean. And let's reevaluate them and what they did in an era where maybe everything else was juiced and they weren't. And maybe we should elevate them. Maybe we should be more realistic about the others. But I think of that era. I think of McGuire. I think of Sosa. I think of Palmero. I think of Bonds. These were all the best players of that generation. And you know what? Tell the story. Hall of Fame is about telling the story of what the game is. It's not always the best story. The Negro Leagues is a sad story because you were talking about separating what were some of the best players from what was happening in Major League Baseball. But you know what? We tell that story. We could talk about a lot of different eras of baseball. A, lot uh, of different... a little bit of apples and oranges there. Well, the, it's apples and oranges, but I'm making a point. Is like let's let's tell the stories of what happened. You you can tell the story, but you know it's it's different for you or I sitting in our offices doing a show as opposed to sitting in front of a major league baseball player that sits in front of you and says, Joe, for ten years I played major league baseball. I hit 320 home runs. I did things the right way. I never cheated. But I just and, said, let's and, reevaluate and, those guys too. Let's those, well, I agree. Place. I agree. With, I agree with that. But my, my stance will never change on. Um, and, I just and listen, think it's I'm, I'm hard not to saying have that I'm, I'm not saying that I'm even right. I mean, I, I no, don't think just, I'm right. It's just, it, but I'm entitled to an opinion, and my opinion is, is that the dudes that got caught. And it's a, probably a horrible take. It's fine, but right, it's so mine. You're really good at cheating instead of the guys who came out and, and maybe admitted it. So it's worse if you would. I, I understand there's some guys who actually just came clean and said, yeah, I did it. So at the end of the day, when McGuire finally went I out there feel, and said, I yeah. I would feel better about that. I feel better about that. So you feel better about like McGuire going in because he said, yeah, I did it. He took responsibility I still, for it. I, I, think, I feel bad that McGuire, uh, his career ended so quickly that he didn't have a chance to have a redemption like some of these other guys. And McGuire, it, it was tough, too. Because when McGuire's was... career ended, it was the height of stopping. The whole thing is a mess. There's no, right. there's so no, the whole there's thing no is a clear mess, cut answer. The only thing you can do is say, well, what's, let's be honest about the era, call it what it was, and put in all the greats, and maybe reconsider, like you said, with I think is very astute, let's reexamine some of the players that were maybe a cut below that, but maybe we're clean and maybe rethink how, especially from the pitchers. You know, how I, I, the, pro yeah. the problem that I have, it, it always goes back to the same thing and is, you know, you know, Cliff Floyd has been one of my best friends forever, basically told me none of those guys can get in. He's like, they can't. But they're in. Oh, what well, but, but, it, but, in? but, you, but, it, but you can't, he, he doesn't advocate it because he did it the right way and I stick with him and he's a player. You know, it's hard for me to go against him. All right, we'll be back uh, with more on Dwight Howard in the NBA. Don't go away. 
sportsgrid.com. Betting insights and entertainment at your fingertips 24-7 as our team covers the most important topics in sports wagering. Real-time odds, predictive betting models, expert picks, and more. Want the edge? Then get on the grid. Sportsgrid.com. And welcome back, Craig and Joe here with you as the NBA plans on returning on July 31st. Of course, with with everything happening in the country and all the protests, uh, a lot of NBA players have been outspoken about potentially not playing in this NBA season. And so we have so many things ahead of us to fix before we even get to fixing uh, the virus. We certainly have so many more uh, issues to get to when they come back on the 30th. We're hoping that everybody comes back. But uh, there are some people who feel LeBron James is inevitably going to be the decision maker here. It's sort, of, it's sort of crazy how much power he has over the NBA, and by the way, for good reason. Uh, but one of the players who, uh, Joe, over the last couple of days is, says that he is uh, undecided about returning is a potential uh, future Hall of Famer Dwight Howard. And Howard, of course, would be bypassing a chance to win a championship with the Los Angeles Lakers, and I want to dive into that in uh, in a minute here, too. But uh, the quote here, as you see from Dwight Howard, is basketball or entertainment period isn't needed at this moment. And uh, it's a two-part story here. because then the first part is, is clearly uh, the way the racial issues have popped up uh, more recently than ever and have been more serious than ever. You can certainly understand. And Joe and I uh, talked about this yesterday about how they could potentially be making a statement by coming back as opposed to not coming back. But look, that's up to them. Look at Dwight Howard, man. Eight-time NBA All-Star, three-time NBA Defensive Player of the Year. Uh, you know, aside from, and we're going to talk about the personal conflict that essentially uh, Howard is having within himself, as opposed to coming back and playing or not. But uh, Dwight Howard is going to be in the NBA in the in the Basketball Hall of Fame. I didn't, I did not realize because you forget he had a patch of about five years where he's sort of like this journeyman guy that never mm-hmm. quite worked out. But before then, when he was with the Magic... He was really good uh, for a pack. Was, Yeah, I mean, my gosh. Like, he is... When he is done, he is headed... You know, he, he'll, he's like a Vince Carter, you know? He's, like, going to play forever, play for a lot of teams toward the end. Uh, but this is his chance, essentially, to win an NBA championship, Joe. And you can tell just how much uh, this means to these players to not play during this time because they think of what the uh, racial injustice as to what's going on. I, I really feel for guys like him. And I know Chris Paul has also come out and said essentially that the NBA shouldn't be playing. Um, and, uh, or Kyrie, was it Kyrie Irving, not Chris Paul. It was Kyrie Irving that said that as well. So uh, we're going to have to see, and, and I, and I don't want to, you know, side focus this to the fantasy element or the DFS element, but we are a fantasy show, but just like with Ezekiel Elliott testing positive for COVID, if you're playing in an NBA fantasy league in a season-long league, uh, you know, we had Adam Ronis on the show last week. I asked him what to do about the NBA uh, fantasy season. He said, basically, as a commissioner, you probably should have ended it. It's, it's over at this point. And so hopefully that doesn't factor in to season-long fantasy leagues. But, Joe, uh, a, a future Hall of Famer, essentially, maybe. And, again, I what do I think? Cooler heads will prevail here. I think things will get fixed and worked out. And I do think that if they play an NBA season, Dwight Howard will be on the Lakers for the final eight games and chase that championship because he's got a great shot. And this may be his last shot to win an NBA championship. So I think that he will play. But man, for him to come out and say that there's a possibility of not, you would never think that with someone who's basically on his last ride. Yeah, and I think that's showing you how important some of these things are. I think, number one, there are certainly fear of themselves and the health risks of uh, what's out there. But as you're seeing places open up, uh, I know like places here and where I am in New Jersey, we're starting to get back to outdoor dining. We're starting to get back to stores being open that are non-essential and people are trying to go back to work. And I think it's important for everybody mentally to do that. And it certainly helps when at night you have something to look forward to like, oh, good. Uh, I had my stressful day and now I'm going to watch the NBA. And And as an entertainer myself for years and years. I understand what that's like to sacrifice things. You're sacrificing holidays as an entertainer. You're sacrificing moments with your family. You're sacrificing a lot. And there's something that I think you understand what the give and take of that is. And I also think when you talk about all what's going on with the racial injustice and the movements of what's happening right now in this country, I think there's a perspective with some people, many of them, where they look at it and say, who cares about basketball? That's not what's important here. Yeah, and fair. and they're not wrong. It's fair. And I think it's important that they're saying these things out loud. Now, when push comes to shove, I do think that they're going to say, 
well, you know what? I can I can influence more by being on the bigger platform. And I know I said it yesterday, and I don't want to sound like a broken record, but you have an enormous platform with national television. You're an NBA superstar. You go out there and you talk about these things before the game. You wear something during the game. You talk about it after the game. This is a platform where all of a sudden you can continue to elevate and move the ball forward with this cause. So I think it's important that they're saying, hey, you know what? There's things more important than basketball and money. That's great. I think we all like to get around that and say, you know what? There are more things important than sports and money in, in this world. But let's also understand at the same time that we have a unique opportunity to come together in this world on those platforms. And that's important too. And I think over time they will see that as more of a benefit than a hindrance. But this is this is just a, a moment in time. We are seeing just how important these things are to these men and, and, and women in sports. This is really... Uh, a fork in the road for us as a nation. Not since the 60s have we had anything quite like this, and it's a little long overdue, and I think that's why we're going through the growing pain we are as a nation right now because of it. Yeah, well, uh, hopefully uh, Dwight Howard comes to terms with whatever he feels, whether he plays or not, certainly well within his right to sit if that's what he chooses to do. And, sure. And also you know, makes, you, makes you think until they uh, suit up on the 30th or suit up for training camp, will there still be an NBA season over all this? All, all of these things have to factor in NBA and, uh, and even football as well. So hopefully we'll see both of them play this year for sure. Uh, you know, speaking of which, just kind of a side topic on this, uh, Howard is one of those players who's played in the NBA for more than a decade and is still chasing down that ring. But uh, there are a lot of other players, Joe, who still have not won an NBA championship, and you could probably put a nice little list together, and they'll all be in the Basketball Hall of Fame when it's all said and done. And and here is that uh, essentially short list. Now, again, there are other players that are not here, and I don't want to disrespect any of them that are not on here, but I got Russell Westbrook at the top. Uh, look, Westbrook still has his shot, I think. Uh, he may have to, you know, at the end of his career, latch on with somebody because I'm not sure that it's going to happen for him right now. But, uh, you know, we'll, we'll see what happens. He's clearly a guy that, you you know, you average close to a triple-double. You're, you're in Oscar Robertson category. You're going to the Hall of Fame. Uh, Chris Paul, the same. Chris Paul's just kind of been, you know, sort of a victim of not having somebody next to him or two guys next to him to play. There was a thought that a few years ago LeBron and Dwayne Wade were going to team up and play with Chris Paul. Uh, I mean, who's he really had that's been a great player that's been with him for many years and the best player that he had ended up leaving? James Harden, NBA's best scorer. Uh, it's a shame that we couldn't see Harden, Westbrook, and Durant all together in Oklahoma City for all those years, but that got broken up very quickly, too. Um, <laughs> Dwight Howard, who I mentioned, and this is probably his last shot. I think Vince Carter, if he chooses to play another year, he better pick, like, L.A. or Milwaukee <laughs> or, or somebody. Because Vince Simon Carter will be playing really well out. after we're covering fantasy sports still. You and I will be long gone. Vince Carter will still be out there playing. And uh, <laughs> look, I remember you even a couple weeks ago made a comment of, I wonder, you know, if he could – work out a deal where he gets released and latch on with another team. But uh, it's, these are some great names. I mean, obviously. Not, not impossible, but yeah, I'm, but I, but I, um, you know, Vince Carter, look, you know, Vince Carter is going to be a guy that'll be in the hall of fame, but we'll look at him and we'll wonder what if, like, what if he, he could have got that championship? It is two. And, and the same thing with Howard, if he doesn't get it this year, I think Howard probably has two years left, maybe three. Uh, but the other guys are still in the primes of their career. So, mm. I mean, I, I don't want to, you know, look at these players and say they have no shot and it's completely done because we've seen guys latch on at the end. Remember, you know, Gary Payton, who was as good or better than any guy on this list potentially, ended up leaving and going to the Heat. And congratulations, you win an NBA championship. And he played a little bit with the Heat, but he wasn't the primary guy there. Uh, look, it, it can happen for, for anybody, you know? You, you you go, you try to do it. Malone left Utah, he went to L.A., tried to win a championship there. We, we see the best players do it. Yeah. But... um. You know, I, I mean, Carmelo, I didn't put on here just because, I mean, is he even still really playing? Like, I, I don't even know what how to categorize him. At this I point. don't know. But, I mean, all these names are all four, five potential Hall of Famers here. I think we all know that. And and going, you know, just kind of circling back to what we were just talking about, too, with Dwight Howard. Uh, I know, you know, the E.D. Davis comments, too, about whether or not, you know, well, there's one thing with the superstars to say they don't want to play or they want to give up their money or whatever they want to do. It's another thing for, again, not every player in the NBA, not every player in the MLB is a star. Not everybody's making the same money. Now, they're making a lot more money than the average person, absolutely, but they're also in a much shorter career, so that money has to last, and that money has to also support a lot of other people around them, too, potentially. So, 
is a very complicated issue here. And I think we will have more clarity as time goes on. I think there's a there's a general fear right now out of many things. And I think the closer we get to normalcy of people going back to doing what they do in life. I mean, we've been very lucky. As crazy as this time has been, you and I talk sports. That's what we do here on Sports Career. This is what we've always done wherever we were. So we've always had this. But even though there's no sports to talk about, you and I are still here doing the job. And I think when you take that away from people, you start to lose their identity a little bit. And they start to question, well, what is important? What's not? And I think when you get closer to, again, getting back to normalcy for whatever that new normal is, I, I want to see what the role players think about not having a season. Because I'm sure a lot of them kind of are on the same page as like, hey, you know what? I, I, this is my only shot. I might not be in the league next year, some guys. Yeah. What, what do you think about those players who are on the fringe of the really NBA? Really tough. Really tough. I mean, maybe that's what we should do later in the week is find, uh, you know, a short list of some of those players as well. Some of those players as well. So um, should be interesting to see. I think some um, of them just showed up into your room. They're they already banging down the door to get on the show. <laughs> they want some time to get on the show with us. And I can't blame them. We're a very popular program here on the network. Yeah, that's what the reality is uh, of it. Uh, by the way, some other uh, players who are not in the uh, Hall of Fame uh, yet, but potentially could be, but maybe never get a championship. And we'll see Anthony Davis, of course, who has his shot this year with the Lakers, Damian Lillard, who you know probably has a shot eventually with Portland, Jimmy Butler with the Heat. And I think Giannis is going to end up getting a championship. It just may, Joe, have to take a year or two. Uh, he's kind of the unfortunate one because you could make the argument right now he is the NBA's best player, second best, third best player. Uh, but you know, with the season being derailed and then having to start up again, I, I wouldn't unfairly judge whatever happens with him in Milwaukee. And then, of course, very soon from that, we'll be discussing whether or not Giannis stays in Milwaukee. And hopefully, I, I hope for Milwaukee that he does. But the way that the NBA is trending, I would say it's probably unlikely. Mm, that would be a bummer because it is nice when the smaller market teams have this star. I mean, hey, look at how important the Cavaliers and LeBron James, that combination was. I mean, the Cavaliers, they had that that mini run during the Jordan era with the Mark Price and the Brad Doherty's and those guys. But Really, I mean, the Cavaliers were kind of a doormat for many years until LeBron comes. Same thing with the Bucs. I mean, there's been some moments here and there, but really, I mean, Giannis is now a thing, and it's really taken over the NBA. And I got to say, like I said, he he is what I'm looking forward to the most because I like him so much. I think he is just a really interesting individual, uh, somebody who's more worldly than a lot of other athletes, and I just think that's a really cool person to kind of build the league around, and I'm looking forward to seeing him play uh, hopefully this summer. And later in the week, we'll talk about some players in the league along with their championships and uh, sort of rank them in terms of stats. Our producer, Brett Levy, of course, uh, worked in the NBA for many years, so he would know. We'll do that on tomorrow's show, so stay tuned to that. We'll be back with more fantasy sports today. Our second hour of the show is coming up next. Uh, Joe has his fantasy black book out now. You can purchase it on Amazon, but perhaps before you do that, find out who his make or break players are for 2020. We'll hit on that right after the break. You're watching Fantasy Sports Today. Don't go away. SportsGrid.com. Betting insights and entertainment at your fingertips 24-7 as our team covers the most important topics in sports wagering. Real-time odds, predictive betting models, expert picks, and more. Want the edge? Then get on the grid. SportsGrid.com. 